0: This morning's scripture reading is Psalm 6. O Lord, rebuke me not in your anger, nor discipline me in your wrath. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am languishing. Heal me, O Lord, for my bones are troubled. My soul also is greatly troubled. But you, O Lord, how long? Turn, O Lord, deliver my life. Save me for the sake of your steadfast love, for in death there is no remembrance of you. In Sheol, Sheol, who will give you praise? I am weary with my moaning. Every night I flood my bed with tears. I drench my couch with my weeping. My eye wastes away because of grief. It grows weak because of all my foes. Depart from me, all you workers of evil, for the Lord has heard the sound of my weeping. The Lord has heard my plea. The Lord accepts my prayer. All my enemies shall be ashamed and greatly troubled. They shall turn back and be put to shame in a moment. This is the word of the Lord. It's absolutely true and it's given to us in love.
1: Well, good morning. At 5.30 on St. Patrick's Day in 2004, I received one of those calls that makes your stomach drop. My sister-in-law was on the other end of the phone, and she was screaming, telling me that my dad had been in a serious accident. He was in critical condition, and he was on the way to Moses Cone. I jumped in the car, and I headed to Cone's emergency room, where I saw my mom Sitting in the waiting room, weeping, and I could tell by the look on my brother's face that dad wasn't doing well. The doctor called us all back into the hallway and he told us that dad had a broken neck and was paralyzed from the neck down. He went on to tell us that there was a possibility that the paralysis could be temporary, but we wouldn't know the answer until 24 to 36 hours when the swelling decreased. I remember going into the room and seeing my dad laying on the stretcher. He had a neck brace on. He had a sheet over him. And he was talking. And I went to grab his hand. And the first time in my life, he didn't squeeze it back. He couldn't move. I felt scared and completely powerless. And as I drove home that night, the darkness outside mirrored the darkness that I felt in my own soul, wondering whether or not my dad would ever walk again. Now, my guess is that many of you have had similar phone calls about family members, friends, loved ones that caused your stomach to drop and propelled you into a state of desperation. Some of you might even be here this morning. And the question for all of us is, when we face such a horrific circumstance, how do we make it through the darkness? King David helps provide some guidance as we look at Psalm 6 this morning. And as we look at this psalm, we see three things. First, an appeal to grace. Secondly, a call for deliverance. And then thirdly, renewed confidence. Pray with me. Father, we're grateful this morning for your goodness and your mercy to us. Lord, we pray that you would give us ears to hear this truth this morning. And Lord, if there are some here and their hearts have dropped this week because of a, a phone call, Lord, would you be their comforter? Would you be their encourager this morning? Holy Spirit, come we pray that you'd meet us. Amen. So the first thing that I want us to consider, and you can look in your bulletins or you can open your Bible to Psalm 6, is an appeal to grace. Now, I have a confession to make. When I was reading the psalm last week, I read verse 1 and saw the words, Rebuke me not in your anger nor discipline me in your wrath, and I decided that I would just conveniently skip over the first two verses and start with a more comfortable phrase, O Lord, how long? But when I came in on Monday, Michael handed me one of Eugene Peterson's study guides on Psalm 6. Now, I like Eugene Peterson a lot, and he was such a kind, gentle man. I thought, okay, there's no harm in in studying this. Surely he's not going to focus on God's anger. And so I opened up the study guide and I turned to the first question. And the first question was this, when was the last time you cried, really cried? Explain. And I thought, okay, this is easy. I love to cry. That's in my wheelhouse. I was actually sitting with a friend at lunch this week and he was talking about how cathartic it was to cry. And as I was eating my peach cobbler, I was saying, yes, it is. It is. Then I read the next question. It is not popular in our culture to talk of an angry God, referring to verse 1. What experience have you had of God's anger? Now, admittedly, I was not very happy with Eugene at this point, And I began to smile because I felt like the Holy Spirit was saying to me loud and clear, I don't want you to jump over these verses. I have something here for you, Todd, and I have something here for the folks at Hope Chapel. So I started reading my commentaries and even went back and read a paper that I wrote in seminary on Psalm 6. And after reading everything and prayerfully asking the Holy Spirit for wisdom, I concluded that while David was on the run from Absalom, he was not only emotionally exhausted, he became physically ill, so much so that he was near death. And in the midst of his suffering, David's conscience was uneasy over some sin in his life. We don't know what the sin was, and it really isn't important. But what we do know is that David was concerned that his suffering might be the result of God's discipline and an effort from God to draw him closer to himself. And this is why, as you look at verse 1, David prays, O Lord, rebuke me not in your anger, nor discipline me in your wrath. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am languishing. Heal me, O Lord, but you, O Lord, how long? And in humility, David is asking God to extend grace to him. He says in verses 2 and 3, I'm languishing. Heal me, O Lord, for my bones are troubled. My soul is greatly troubled. He's basically saying my whole person is hurting. In the Hebrew, he uses the word uh, for troubled. He repeats that twice, which means deeply disturbed. The suffering is so bad. And though it might be for David's good, David appeals to God's grace and asks him, to heal him. Now, as I tell you this, I know this raises a lot of questions for all of us about suffering, about God, and about our response in the midst of suffering. And I want to begin by telling you what I am not saying I am not saying that God is the author of evil. We know that God is not the author of evil. And I am not saying that you can draw a straight line from our suffering to sin. Jesus declares in John 9, as he's asked about a man's blindness, neither this man nor his parents sinned. This happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. So you see, my cancer diagnosis, your health issues, your relational issues, the loss of a loved one, the loss of a job is not a direct linear path. From your sin. However, what David is teaching us here is that our God is a loving God. He is our heavenly father. And as Proverbs 3 and Hebrews 12 tell us, the Lord disciplines those he loves god is committed to helping us grow and mature in him he is committed to purifying us of our sin and like those of you who are parents sometimes have to afflict your children in order to get them to turn away from things that harm them god sometimes allows suffering to help us fall deeper in love with him so when calamity befalls us and we're going through the dark night of the soul, it would behoove us to at least consider whether or not God is allowing the suffering, not as a means of punishment, but as a means of correction to call us to repentance, to call us to a deeper relationship with him. I mentioned earlier about my cancer diagnosis And I never once, never once thought that my cancer diagnosis was a direct result of a particular sin in my life. But I did see through my journey of healing that God was using my suffering to turn my attention to how I was choosing to live my life. I could remember vividly the second week after my surgery, I was at home. I couldn't do anything, couldn't go anywhere and was overwhelmed with fear. And it was through that suffering, keeping me on my recliner, that God spoke to me and said, Todd, you're living as an orphan, not as a son. You need to repent. Now, would I have learned this lesson if I was never diagnosed with cancer? I have no idea. But I do know my heart and often it's hard and I'm stubborn and sometimes it takes for me some type of suffering to help break down my defenses and get my attention. So while I would not wish cancer on my worst enemy, I can say now two and a half years later that God used it. To teach me so much about myself and about him. So as we experience calamity in our lives. We like King David need to not draw a straight line from our suffering to sin. But we like King David need to appeal to God's grace. And ask the Holy Spirit if there's something That God wants to do in me. To cry out to him. To be gracious. To bring healing. But also to search our hearts. And see if there's any offensive way in us. And if so. Move toward repentance. Paul writes in Romans 8.28. And we know that for those who love God. All things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. The key word here is all things work together for good. This means my cancer. This means my dad's car accident. This means a broken relationship, a declaration of bankruptcy, a death of a loved one, the loss of a job. And I could go on and on and on. We so often think that God's hand is only in what we perceive as good times in our life. But I am so incredibly thankful that God's hand is in everything that comes into my life. He is sovereign over every detail. And there is not one thing that comes to pass in my life or in your life that has not first passed him so the first thing that we see in this psalm is an appeal to grace the second thing we see in this psalm is a call for deliverance david is mentally emotionally and physically exhausted he's at the end of himself and after appealing to god's grace david pleads with god to have mercy and deliver him from the darkness that's engulfing him He uses three action verbs in verse 4. He says, Lord, please turn. Deliver my life. Save me. And as David cries out, he's teaching us that in the midst of our suffering, we too can call out to him for deliverance. And I love this. David is so humble here. He doesn't appeal to God based on his own works, his position as king of Israel. But what does he appeal? He appeals based on God's character and His covenant love, His steadfast love, which the word here in Hebrew is hesed. David makes his appeal to God, knowing that God is good, God is loving, loving, and God is faithful. And then in verse five, David says, for in death, there is no remembrance of you in Sheol, who will give you praise? You see, in David's time, there was only a flicker of understanding about the resurrection. They believed you lived a long life and then you died. And when you died, you went to this place that they referred to as Sheol. And there was some idea that in Sheol you were alive and there was something to come, but there wasn't a full understanding. A friend of mine referred to Sheol as an airport waiting lounge. You know, it's a temporary place, a place that none of us particularly enjoy, a place that none of us really particularly want to be in. But it's a place that's necessary for us to get to our final destination. And since David felt like death might be imminent, he says to God, I am close to the doors of Sheol. Where there's no remembrance of you, nor is there praise of you. So, God, would you please deliver me from this place? Would you please deliver me from death? And again, I love seeing David's humility here. I love seeing his heart. Because David... He's appealing to God to deliver him, not just so that he can get out of his suffering, not just so for himself, but so that he can declare the praises of God. David is saying, please deliver me, not so that I can just escape my anguish, but deliver me because I want to continue to be able to remember you and praise your name. I want to declare to Israel and to the world that you are the king of kings and the Lord of lords. David wants to sing and dance in the streets again, declaring the glory of God to the people of Israel. So he boldly asked God to turn to deliver and save him. And I remember after seeing my dad that evening, I went home and I got something to eat, maybe a little bit. I was so upset and I went and I laid in my bed. And I bet you I slept 10 minutes that night. The whole night I kept thinking about dad and whether or not he was going to be paralyzed for the rest of his life. And I tossed and I turned and I wept. And in those moments, I called out to God for him to deliver my dad. Likewise, for all of us, as we face calamity, David is teaching us in Psalm 6 that we are to boldly call out to him for deliverance. We are to pour our hearts out to him. And the wonderful thing about this psalm is after appealing to God's grace in the first three verses and calling for deliverance, we see At the end of the psalm, David David experiencing a renewed confidence. Scripture teaches us that God hears the cries of His people, and you see this in verses eight through ten. If you look at verses eight through ten, we see a shift in David's countenance, a shift from anguish to confidence. David uses the past perfect tense indicating a complete action. He writes, for the Lord has heard the sound of my weeping. The Lord has heard my plea. There is no doubt in David's mind that God has heard his cry for deliverance and healing. His prayer not only reached God, but God heard it and answered it. And you might notice in verse 10, David uses the same Hebrew word, deeply disturbed, troubled. But this time not to describe his own condition, but to describe his enemies who were pursuing after him. He says, all my enemies shall be ashamed and greatly troubled. They shall turn back and be put to shame in a moment. God accepted David's prayer and delivered him. Likewise, no matter how horrific our circumstances, God promises that he hears your prayers and he promises to deliver you. Now, hear me, his deliverance might not always look like what we hope for this side of heaven. But there is never a prayer that goes unanswered by our heavenly father. The next morning, I drove to Moses Cone Hospital and I went up to the neuro intensive care unit to see my dad. And when I was in his room. I was never so happy to see him in so much pain. Because his legs had begun to flail, to move. And the doctor told us. That it would take many, many weeks. But he believed that my dad would walk again. He also told us there was a man two rooms down that had the exact same fracture in the exact same place, but that he would never walk again. I believe with all my heart that, that just like I prayed for my dad for his deliverance, someone was praying for that man that was two doors down. I don't know why God answered the neighbor two doors down differently than he answered my dad. But what I do know is that he answered. That he was present. That he was good. God hears the prayers of our people. And in Psalm 6, he teaches us that when we are going through the dark night of a soul, we need to... To appeal to his grace, we need to at least stop and ask the question God, is there some sin in my life that you're calling me to repent of? And if so, help my heart to turn. Because I would never want to thwart your discipline. Because we know that the Father disciplines the children that he loves. And when we're going through the dark night of the soul, we can call out to him for deliverance. We can pray to him. And thirdly, we know from this psalm. That God hears our prayers and because of that, that can move us from a place of anguish, a place of despair to a place of quiet confidence. I don't know where you are in your life right now. Some of you might be in that dark place. And I hope if you are, that you'll be encouraged by these words. But I know the truth is that every one of us in this room over the next months and years will face a dark night. My phone will ring again. And my stomach will drop. But when that happens, I don't have to be full of fear and despair. Instead, in the midst of that suffering, I can know that there's a God who loves us. A God who heard King David also hears us. And he answers us. And so I hope and pray that when that moment comes, that you'll go back to Psalm 6. That you'll read it, that you'll pray it. And then for us this morning, I ask that you'd stand and that we corporately together would read Psalm 6. So if you'll stand with me. O Lord, rebuke me not in your anger, nor discipline me in your wrath. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am languishing. Heal me, O Lord, for my bones are troubled. My soul also is greatly troubled. But you, O Lord, how long? Turn, O Lord, deliver my life. Save me for the sake of your steadfast love. For in death there is no remembrance of you. In Sheol, who will give you praise? I am weary with my moaning. Every night I flood my bed with tears. I drench my couch with weep. My eye wastes away because of grief. It grows weak because of all my foes. Depart from me, all you workers of evil. For the Lord has heard the sound of my weeping. The Lord has heard my plea. The Lord accepts my prayer. All my enemies shall be ashamed and greatly troubled. They shall turn back and be put to shame in a moment. You may be seated.